Welcome to Riff Ram Review, your TCU sports talk home right here on 88.7 KTCU. Here are your hosts, Seth Dowdle, Ian Nepetian, and Zion Trammell. Well, hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to Riff Ram Review, your TCU sports talk home here at KTCU on 88.7 The Choice. I'm Ian Nepetian, and tonight I'm joined by Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle, who's working in the studio right next to us here tonight. Welcome on, boys. It's really exciting to be here, and uh, I can't wait to get into this first episode. Yeah, I'm really excited. We got lots to talk about from TCU Athletics and you know professional sports with the NFL and MLB, and I figured we should start things off with a little bit of an introduction, so I'll go ahead and start. I'm Zion Trammell. I am a senior sports broadcasting major graduating in the fall. I also do some journalism as well. Um, you know, as far as my sports teams go, I'm, I'm from Northern California, but I am a fan of the Dallas-Fort Worth sports teams. I know what? that Yes, that comes as a surprise to so many people. But my dad grew up in uh, in Arlington, and he grew up with the Texas Rangers, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Dallas Mavericks. And I am proud to be a DFW sports fan. But I'm I'm really excited to be a part of the show, and you know, excited to see you know how this thing goes and what we can do. Wow! So Bay Area to Texas, and you're a Cowboys fan. So you were born here, correct? Uh, yeah, I was born in Bedford, Texas, okay. and then that's close. I, yeah, so, home of home of uh, the other hosts on this show. Or used old host of this, or old home, I should say. I I, was, I lived in Bedford for 13 years, Zion. There you go. Nice. Um, yeah, so it, I was born here, um, and then when I was about like two, I just moved out to the Bay Area, um, grew up there, played baseball growing up, so it's probably my you know favorite sport. And growing up, I wanted to be a play-by-play announcer. I still want to do that. It's been my dream since I was about nine or ten years old, and uh, that's why I came to TCU is to pursue that dream with sports broadcasting. And, you know, KTCU has given me a great opportunity to practice and to, you know, op- open myself up to new experiences. And, um, yeah, I mean, I've loved it here at TCU. And I've got one more semester to go, boys, almost almost to the finish line. I'm excited. Uh well, that's that's awesome, Zion. I'm a, I'm as I mentioned earlier, I'm from Be- or, or used to be from Bedford, but my name is Seth Dowdle, and I'm a sports broadcasting major, a journalism minor here at TCU. I'm a junior, uh, and I'm really excited to do this show. I'm also a DFW sports fan, Cowboys, Rangers, Stars, Mavericks, uh, all the uh, all the things. Obviously, a TCU sports fan as well. Uh, sports are are a, a big passion of mine. My life, you could say, uh, the the emotions of my everyday uh, kind of ebb and flow with how the sports teams do which is which is i acknowledge myself the most unhealthy thing that can possibly uh be on this planet but it's okay i i i've kind of accepted it and we we now live with it here in the dowdle household well there you go seth well all right last but not least my name is ian napetian i'm a junior now that's that's crazy to say to be honest junior um at tcu i'm a double major in sports broadcasting and journalism and just like zion said he wants to do play-by-play so do i that's the big dream of mine. Um, I'm a huge soccer fan. Love baseball. Um, love football. And uh, yeah, but but at the end of the day, soccer is soccer and baseball are definitely my fortes in terms of sports and sports knowledge and um, I guess analyzing sports. But um, yeah, I've I've loved my last two years here. Gotten to know these two guys, Seth and Zion, super well. And 
that's why we're now doing a show. It's been in the works for a long time, as, as, as we've been saying, and we can finally put pen to paper and start this thing. So Yeah, we've been talking about this you know, for a long time, and it's exciting to finally be able to do this. Now, Ian, uh, why don't you tell the listeners, the, the fan, you know, who you are loyal to, because it <laughs> can be very challenging for these specific teams. So for me, I'm originally from the Bay Area up north. Um, and so I lived on the San Francisco side of things, but my my team alignment didn't necessarily fall with my geographical alignment with where I was born. So despite being born on the SF side of the Bay Area, I'm actually an Oakland fan. So Oakland Athletics, <laughs> former Oakland uh, Raiders fan, now Las Vegas Raiders. And uh, it's it's been a tough, uh, tough last decade, to say the least, for both sides. The A's have had, in my opinion, more bright spots than the Raiders. Um, I love the A's a little more than I do with the Raiders. I've been, you know, growing up, I, I went to A's games every single summer, apart from this summer, because it's been absolutely dreadful. Yeah. Thank you, John Fisher. Um, <laughs> but... I love. I, I'm. I'm. I'm a huge Ace fan at heart. I bleed green and gold and silver and black. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's definitely weird though, because a lot of people ask, like, an Oakland Ace fan. I've never even seen an Oakland Ace fan, especially in Texas. Yeah, they're very few and far in between for sure. <laughs> if I, if I may, Ian, kind of peek behind the curtain here. I don't know if I can, you know, illustrate this meme in my head that I'm thinking of, uh, but. You being an Ace fan and then Zion and I being Rangers fans, it's that meme of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when they're younger and like the old mentor is like holding their hand. And then now this year, it's kind of flipped to where now we are <laughs> we are walking you across into the retirement home as the A's uh, dwindle along into a 45-win season. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd, I'd, I'd concur. I'd concur. Um, yeah, it sucks right now. It yeah. really does. Yeah. But I love my team. I love them. Zach Geloff. I mean, he's batting 264 right now. Definitely drop it. He's one of my favorites. Save it for to watch. the West podcast. I know, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Well, for everyone at home, again, thank you so much. And as well, everyone on the road, if you're driving home from work or you're driving to work for a late shift uh, tonight, thank you so much for tuning in. Again, that's the Riff Rain Review on 88.7 here on KTCU, the choice. But now we're going to get into our first segment of the show. And really, we got. I mean, honestly, we have to look ahead to this Saturday for anyone that doesn't know or if you're living under a rock, TCU plays on Saturday. College football is back here in Fort Worth, and they're playing against the Colorado Buffaloes and the one and only Deion Sanders, who is kind of headlining this thing, right? Yeah, it's, it's a really exciting matchup uh, compared to last year with Colorado, and they didn't really have anything going for them, and TCU – no one would have anticipated the year that they would have in 2022. So now this year, kind of a rematch. I mean, both teams have enti- have changed entirely. So this is a really compelling matchup. A big new kickoff will be here, and it's it's a great way to open up. You know, the 2023 season at the Carter. It's going to be packed, dude. Like this is this is going to be a madhouse. And despite the heat, fans are going to show up because. Not only is it celebrating the start of a new season, but it's celebrating last season and all that they accomplished in what was the best year for TCU football. Yeah, it's kind of crazy too how the uh, expectations have changed around this game specifically. From just like looking back at it like a year ago, if this game has been on the schedule for a couple years now, and if you would have told any of us, I think any three of us in this room or anyone that's listening, that in th- in like 
five years from after this game was scheduled, the home game uh, for TCU in 2023 would be a, on Big Noon Saturday uh, at 11 a.m. Central Time on Fox with Big Noon kickoff here uh, live in front of the stadium. We would I, I don't know what my reaction would have been. I, it definitely would have been. If you would have told me that TCU made the national championship a year before, I might have said that's probably the reason why. But the, I think we all know the reason why that they are here is is maybe partly because of TCU's national championship run, but that's not, I mean, the big story here is is Deion Sanders and what, I mean, the mass exodus at Colorado and now all the transfers that have come in and then how that's going to work out. Because I can almost assure you that about 70% of Big Noon Saturday is going to be spent on what the Buffaloes did this offseason and how that's going to impact them in the long run and in the immediacy. Exactly, yeah, and and... Again, that's that's it's kind of the sad part of the whole thing is that you know Big Noon is here, which is great, but they're more here for that Deion Sanders story, and I'm 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 hoping TCU can put together a great performance on Saturday. It's gonna be really hot though. I think the boys are definitely gonna have to uh, definitely be ready for that. But they've been practicing all summer um, for that in summer and fall camp. But yeah, it's it's just it's the Deion Sanders headline really, and I mean even the week after. Big Noon is going up to Colorado when they play Nebraska. So it's really, they're really pushing this Deion Sanders to Colorado, you know. Thing. Yeah, if I'm being honest, it's kind of like a little overrating Colorado. Like, did people forget how bad they were last year? One I know, and 11. Yeah, they've like were horrible. I mean, they were really, really bad. And they've had a ton of new transfers. And I get it. Like, it's, it's a new identity, a new team. But to go from one win to, you know, I mean, even contending a little bit, that's super, like, you know, that's not being very realistic. This team, I don't think they're going to be, they'll, they'll be better, but I, I can't imagine that they'll be that much better because TCU is, what, 20 and a half point favorites right yeah, now? Yeah, and that's what I was just about to touch on. I think the public expectation is kind of a little bit, you know, more, it's a little higher on this Colorado team than, you know, a lot of. You know, you know, seasoned veterans that know college football. I mean, you twenty and a half point favorites. Uh, I that's a lot of points to give TCU. I mean, this is not a gambling show or anything or anything like that. But it's it's uh, it's it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out. The heat is definitely gonna be a story. Dion's a story, and then we can talk about this too. Uh, new quarterback for TCU, Chandler Morris. Oh yeah, I think I think outside of the Dion Sanders you know, kind of headlining event. It's at least for everyone here in Fort Worth and around the TC community, it's all surrounding Chandler Morris, right? And I mean, let's just take a quick travel back just about exactly a, a year ago from now, right? TCU getting ready to play Colorado up in Boulder. And Chandler Morris has won the job. Max Duggan is obviously, you know, taking a seat on the bench to start the year. And then the team comes out, offense looks good, and then Morris takes that hit and and kind of hurts himself and then really I mean the rest is history I, I you know we we don't really have to go through what you know what else happened but I mean it's interesting how these last two seasons this one included are starting and I mean Chandler is back in that seat of hey this is your team again and you know I mean Zion and I were at the press conference earlier this Tuesday and Sonny Dykes said look he's much more matured he he he's more established within the team, his leadership presence. It's not going to be exactly like with what Max Duggan had, but Chandler Morris is going to have to run this offense and he's going to have to start that on Saturday. 
Yeah, and I think another story on the offense is is how Chandler Morris, you know, he's had opportunities in the past. We can point to the Baylor game two years ago. That was kind of the coming out party, and everyone at that. I remember sitting in the student section, and everyone was chanting Chandler Morris, Chandler Morris, Chandler Morris, because yep. of that awesome performance. I mean, y'all were there too. Y'all, y'all, y'all probably remember that as well. Um, and then you know he ends up getting hurt, I believe, in the Oklahoma State game. Uh, and then Max takes over for the final uh, couple games of that season, then gets the job, as you mentioned. But that was all, you know, under an offense uh, that was under the Gary Patterson regime. And then this last offense was a Garrett Riley offense and Sonny Dykes as well. And now new OC Kendall Bryles is coming in. And obviously, you know, that's a different system. He's coming from Arkansas. They ran the ball a ton at Arkansas. They had, uh, I mean, Raheem Sanders, KJ Jefferson. Uh, that's just a wrecking crew up there in, in Hogs country. But and, and TCU is going to maybe we'll see a shift into that kind of thing. But it's going to be interesting to see how Chandler Morris adapts to a different system, even with the Sunny Dykes kind of blanket over to, on top of it. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, when, when you're looking at this, you know, when, when you're looking at this TCU team, right? I mean, when you think about what the team needs to do to win, right? In terms of the defense, I think what's good is that you have so many returning guys from the previous season. I'd say aside from what D Winters Trey. and Travius Hodges Tomlinson, everyone's coming back. And also, don't forget we're getting Marcel Brooks back, which is great. And I mean, Dylan that, Horton, don't forget. And Dylan, oh yeah, Dylan Horton. Excuse me. Yeah, thank you, Seth. But right, aside from those three guys, there's a lot of returning defensive players on this team for a defense that last season was pretty darn solid. And so I'm, I'm looking for the defense to definitely make a big impact, but. This offense is going to be really interesting. I don't know how you guys feel, but it's just such a young and new offense. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for it. I mean, it's kind of, you know, you need that first game to really get a feel of what things are going to look like, you know, with rotations. And, I mean, I'm curious what you guys think with the running back situation, how they plan to split touches. I mean, Sonny Dyke said in the press press conference that he plans to pl- play 20 20- plus players on both both sides of the ball. So you're going to really get a look at every player on this roster and really see who's going to find themselves a little bit of a role. A guy I'm really excited about is Jared Wiley because uh, he is coming into his uh, second year at TCU, right? Yeah, second year. He had 24 catches, 245 yards, and four touchdowns last season. He was kind of just, you know, I think he had some timely plays and really physical uh, tight end. And under this new offensive scheme, they like to utilize the tight end. So I could totally see Jared Wiley stepping into a leadership role, which, by the way, I just remembered this. Dude, this man lost 17 pounds in one practice. 17 pounds. Was that him? Yep, that was Jared that Wiley. Was, oh, yeah. my gosh. Like, dude, I that's... That's like... Uh, uh, Paolo Bancaro, did you see that too? Yeah. That, I mean, I don't even know how that's possible. I, I don't know, but yeah. like that's that's intense. But I, I think he seems so excited. Just kind of the energy he's been giving off. He's really excited about this new offense. And I'm telling y'all, Jared Wiley's going to have a, a baller season. I just feel it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jared Wiley and, and, and I mean – as as much as I mean, look, I, I think he's gonna have a great season, and and I think the one thing that also Jared Wiley can offer this team is just veteran presence as a yeah. whole, right? I mean, this team, especially the offense. I mean, you know, defense aside, because we we because we were just talking about that, you know, um, Jared Wiley's a, a huge veteran presence for this offense, and especially in a team where there's 
just like Sonny said, he said, look, we've got a lot of young guys that have that talent, right? But it's perhaps unproven at this level right now. And I think Jared Wiley's going to be, he's going to be an absolutely integral part to the Horn Frog offense this season. And, you know, it's going to start on Saturday and I'm really excited. And going back to what you said about Sonny wanting more than 20 guys on each side of the ball, it tells you what he probably thinks about Colorado and how they're going to show up this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I mean, yeah. it, it really does. When, when a coach says that and then all the headlines are around the Buffaloes and Deion Sanders and his son, kind of tells you what Sonny Dykes is feeling so yeah you, you can you can kind of read between the tea leaves there can't you uh <laughs> I, I you know another th- the thing that I think we need to talk about and we kind of talked about it with Colorado in terms of what the expectations are for them and and how in this then right Sonny Dykes based on what he hasn't said it but we are inferring that he is not thinking that this game is going to be you know a shootout for the ages uh we got to kind of I think we kind of all got to look in the mirror a little bit on how we're viewing the Horn Frogs this season, especially coming out of last season, and I think the overall media uh, surrounding TCU is kind of, you know, on a, a pretty level field of everyone's not expecting what happened last year, and I'm certainly not expecting what happened last year, and I hope that uh, for anyone that is, I, I would suggest to kind of temper those expectations because what happened last year was probably the most special thing that has ever happened at this university in terms of athletics and to expect that to happen again if it does happen again to a certain extent uh, I hope we win the Big 12 championship this time yep exactly and and I think that's the whole idea is that you got to just curb your expectations going into this season it's not the same team it's not going to be the same team I would love for TCU to you know to make it back to the CFP that would be wonderful I'm not saying this team can't but you just can't necessarily expect that from day one because um, this can very easily be a transition year. Um, yeah. Quickly, though, as we're wrapping up this segment, let's just talk score predictions real quick. Zion, what are you looking forward to on Saturday, and who do you think will come out on top? Well, I'm really looking forward to the defense and seeing what they can do and you know, kind of that familiarity that we already have with a lot of guys returning. I'm I'm going – obviously, I'm going with TCU, but like I'm kind of expecting a blowout here. I'm going to go 38 to 13 TCU wins. All right, 13 points for Colorado. That 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 sounds about right to me. That sounds like, about right. Like I I think they could, you know, maybe catch us a little off guard and they might they might go down and score a touchdown first possession. Who knows? And then I think TCU could like settle in from there, but cuz they're going to be throwing a lot. Yeah, if you remember, uh TCU was down to Colorado, I believe at the half last yeah. year. Yep, they were. So that that I mean Certainly, first season jitters for everyone, right? Uh, in terms of my score prediction, I'm probably I'm on the same page as you, uh, Zion, about a little bit more of a blowout here. I'm gonna give T- I'm gonna go 35, uh, 17. Uh, I know that and maybe with a touchdown tacked on at the end for a little uh, for some glamour for Colorado. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So I'm Seth. I'm sticking with you there. I think Colorado is gonna come out get 17. I'm expecting them to probably score a touchdown and a field goal first. I don't know why. I just that's that's just what it feels like. <laughs> there's yeah, there's certain Let's things. Let's predict the like, sequencing. No, of I, know, I know, I know, I know. I know this is a, <laughs> two this touchdowns is a score prediction. In the, in the first ten minutes, and then you know a field goal maybe with thirteen and a half left. No, exactly. That's that's exactly what's going through my head. But no, I would say, gosh, I mean, with TCU, I want to. I go probably thirty-four. I want to say thirty-four to seventeen, something like that. Um, maybe 31-17, somewhere in that ballpark. You know, I'll, I'll just put a pin in it. 31-17 to 17, TCU. I'm hoping that 
Colorado scores later on in the game, perhaps, like and not garbage time. Yeah, like in garbage time. Or I mean, what would be great to see is, you know, going into the half a little, you know, close, close, you know, tied up. But and then TCU takes that in the second half. But anyways, really looking forward to Saturday. We know everyone else listening is as well. It's a massive game, 11 a.m. kickoff at Amon G. Carter Stadium between TCU and the Colorado Buffaloes. Right after this break, we'll be back here on Riff Ram Review here on 88.7 KTCU The Choice, your choice for college radio. Dave, what are you doing? Just sending a gift to Dave2037. Who? Me in the future. I save a little money from every paycheck as a gift to Dave2037 so he can spend it on things like anti-gravity boots or a hologram Doberman, something cool like that. I think Dave2037 deserves it. He worked hard. What are you getting Steve2037? I guess I was thinking Steve2037 would just fend for himself. Well, all right, but don't expect to be borrowing my anti-gravity boots. You want to have money in your future? You got to start saving now. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Hey, Let's just hope Steve2037 doesn't get his hands on a cold time machine because he is going to come back here and knock some sense into you. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 The Choice on KTCU. I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Nepetian and Seth Dowdle. We just talked about TCU football, but now we are going to shift into some TCU soccer. The Horned Frogs are 1-2 and two on the season. They opened up the 2023 campaign with a win over SMU 1-0, but have lost the last two matches to number 6 Florida State and number 8 Penn State. And that's the only goal they've scored this season thus far. But going up against some stiff competition... Ian, you are kind of the soccer guru, so let's... He, he is the Manchester United fanboy. He yeah. is the, the voice of Texas United <laughs> FC, yes. Dallas, not, not it, Texas United <laughs> FC, USL League 2. There you go, Seth. That's my guy right there. <laughs> okay, that's right. So, um, Ian, let's talk about TCU soccer a little bit. They are 1-2, and two, and they are currently out of the top 25 rankings, and you seem to have a strong opinion about this, so let's talk about it. Why and are they not in the top 25, and do you agree with that? Yeah, uh, simple answer is no. <laughs> I, I I actually— I, I putting just, his foot down. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I learned this just a few minutes before our show started here tonight at 6 o'clock, and I mean— I'm honestly pretty astounded that TCU women's soccer did not rank in the top 25. Now, kind of just giving a brief overview of the season, TCU kicked off their season off with a win. Like you said, Zion, 1-0 over SMU. That was a big win for the team, um, especially against SMU, kind of the noisy neighbors here in the DFW Metroplex. So that that was huge for TCU. I, I know there are a bunch of fans out there at that game. And then after that, TCU goes on the road to play number 6 Florida State. And Florida State is a really quality side you know, it's not that TCU played a poor game. It's just that um, it's just that Florida State capitalized on those opportunities. And I mean, Florida State in the second half. I mean, they they went into this into halftime tied nil nil, and then second half, Florida State just started to run away with it. They scored two goals in quick succession, and that's just when the wheels kind of fell off for for TCU. And 
Then they go on the road to Penn State, number eight Penn State at that, and lose 1-0 after conceding a goal in the 77th minute. It's It's been a tough start to the season. Um, losing two out of your first three, that's definitely not what you want if you're you know, Eric Bell and, and you know, this this TCU women's soccer team. Because for, for women's soccer, you were ranked number nine overall um, heading into the season from those preseason polls. And so that's a huge that, – that's huge to start the season like that, but then you have to back it up. And it's not that the girls haven't backed it up. It's just that they've come up against some, some, some really tough opponents. Uh, if I may, I want to talk about the Florida State game a little bit. My eyes were on, on this, were very limited, but I uh, – I did see something, I believe this was in the second half, maybe in the first half, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Ian, uh, but pretty violent kind of game. Uh, there was some yellow cards handed out. I heard, now I did not see this, and this is hearsay, but you can back me up uh, if, if, if this is actually what happened, that there was some horse collar tackling that went on that resulted in uh, some cards being handed out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this game against Florida State a couple of weeks ago is... Definitely their most physical by any means is on a hot, super humid Sunday night, and both both teams really went at it. I mean, tackles were flying in from the very offset of the game, and it continued like that for the full 90 minutes. And I mean, this, you know, for, for a team like TCU that, you know, TCU doesn't really have the size, but they've got a lot of players that know how to put on that. Sorry, they know how to put in a solid tackle and this team is incredibly fit. So you see them running around on the field, left and right, all over the field, and just kind of gaining mileage and, and, and making tackles. But no, it was a really physical game, to say the least. Reminds me of um, that in season three of Ted Lasso with AFC Richmond, where they, when they go up against Nate's team and they just start playing super physical and tackling and just doing the absolute worst thing, like literally selling the game. I'm watching the show and I'm like, y'all are not going to win now. Like, what are y'all doing? If, if that, this doesn't tell you the extent of Zion and I's soccer <laughs> knowledge, knowledge, it yeah. is like very small. Like, the, the, the references that we have are all going to be to a fictional show where an American coach is an English uh, football team that it does not exist. Well, let's just start off by saying Ted Lasso is a fantastic show, regardless of how ridiculous it might seem. Save it for the Ted Lasso podcast. Yeah, yeah. There you go, Zion. But, but anyways, I mean... Kind of getting back to the point at TCU, right? In terms of, you know, and, and sorry, answering your question about why they're not in the top 25. I mean, I don't really have any words for why they're not. They played against a number six seeded team and a number um, and, and, and a number eight ranked team. And it's, you know, it what they, they, they weren't two horrible losses either. It's not like TCU played, you know, a, a, a poor sloppy game. And you're just like, yeah, you know, that's not worthy of staying in the top 25. You played two games against two top 10 opponents and going into the game against um, against Penn State, TCU had only dropped to 16th, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And so then to drop out more than the- nine places out of the top 25 was, was pretty obscure. And if I may, from my limited perspective, your play devil's advocate, maybe kind of vouch for voters here, maybe. Perhaps they are a little leery, and Ian, maybe you can touch on this, on the lack of... Uh, scoring production that TCU has offered so far. Yeah, and, and and that's really exactly the problem. I mean, TCU has a lot of returning players in the midfield and, 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 and defense, and they've been really solid at the back and in that midfield, but it's the attack where they're really struggling, and that can probably most most um, most obviously be pointed out by the fact that Messiah Bright is no longer with the team. You know, she got drafted um, by the Orlando Pride this summer, and 
she scored so many goals for the team last year. And see, the thing with Messiah Bright is that she was tall and she was physical and she was quick. And it's not something that TCU really has in abundance, even when Messiah Bright was there. But at least with her there, you had that type of presence. And right now, there really just isn't that presence there up top. And it's definitely being seen um, on on you know from some of these past results. Well, what is this? What is the schedule looking like? Is it, is it kind of now at a point where maybe there's some relief? You, you're a very tough non-conference schedule so far. You know SMU rivalry game tensions are high, and then Florida State and Penn State. UAB next, if I'm correct. Right? Yeah, yeah. So tomorrow night at seven o'clock, it'll be against University of Alabama. At, uh, University of Alabama at Birmingham. <laughs> the Blazers. Quite a mouthful. Not, the Blazers, the exactly. Tide. Yeah, not the Crimson Tide. But yeah, that'll be against UAB tomorrow night, and then after that they play Sunday against Texas Tech. Oh, sorry, Texas A&M. Excuse me. That'll be a good one. That'll be a good match for sure. I'm definitely looking forward to the Texas A&M matchup. I think you know that'll. It's 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 a good test after University of Alabama, um, at Birmingham. Um, <laughs> UAB. <laughs> I should say yeah, UAB. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean their 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 schedule is going to even out right now. They definitely had a first, uh, a tough first three games, especially, I mean, this was the first time TCU had lost two, at least two of its first three games since 2015. So wow. TCU losing two of their first three mm-hmm. in any season is not really known to man, especially from this generation of soccer fans and Horned Frog soccer fans. So. Would you say TCU, I mean, I think it's almost good that they play these top 10 teams. Would you still say that they are the best team in the Big 12, or would you say there's another team that could climb up the ladder here? You know, I mean, I I, I think TCU is definitely one of the strongest teams. I think TCU has the most depth in the Big 12. I I think that's that. Mm -hmm. I I would definitely say that. Um, I mean, Texas is is still solid. Um, And, and, Again, I mean, the the that's the thing with the Big 12 is that every single year there's a couple new teams that pop up on the radar and just put together a, a really solid season. Um, and that's also the thing is that women's soccer, you play so many non-conference games before actually getting into it. It's like come come the Big 12 season, you're already in full gear. You're not even thinking really, hey, this is a Big 12 game. Like we, you know, you've had so many big matches already, especially this season with TCU. But um, they'll, they'll definitely look to turn around. I know Eric Bell is definitely gonna. Um, you know, be looking to pick up all three points tomorrow night, and I'm I'm excited for 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 the team to hopefully get back on track this season. So, are there any uh, back to, and kind of piggybacking off of Zion's question here? Are there any uh, of the four new Big Twelve members that kind of you know say, "Hey, I'm excited to see TCU play that kind of squad." I well, on top of my head, BYU comes to yeah, mind. Yeah, BYU's four and zero right now, so they've had a pretty good start, and Houston and Texas Tech. Uh, or both are also undefeated. Yeah, so 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 Texas Tech is definitely going to be a contender at the end of the season, I feel like. I think, if I'm not mistaken, last season they were as well. But yeah, with BYU coming in, BYU um, was picked the favorite to win the Big 12 really? this season. Okay. So that, that that's definitely huge for, for a new team coming into that, and you know, coming into the Big 12 conference. But no, I mean, you know, this TCU team, they've they've got veterans, they've got the staff, they've got the depth to 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 go far this season. I mean, they've made it to the Sweet 16 round three seasons in a row, and they'll look to do it again this year, but they just got to turn things around pretty soon or else things might get dire, so. Yeah, uh, the scoring is, is, you know, obviously that's the name of the game. You can't win a match without scoring a goal. Uh that's that's the kind of one thing that you know I would look to to see improve hopefully with experience and time because if 
these these are younger uh, players that are up up on the attack right now for for TCU. And you know, you would think, and, and Ian, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but you know, with time, you know, that just like anything else, like the experience and like the that getting those jitters out early on, especially against those really tough teams, you kind of settle in. Oh no, exactly right, and 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 that's the thing, you know, I mean. Some of these could be the early jitters. Some of it could just be, look, it's taking a little more time than than it used to to get all the girls to find that chemistry together. Now, I can't exactly point to why that might be the case, but it's natural, right? Sometimes things just aren't working in a team, right? Again, I'll, I'll go back to it and harp on it however much I need to, but Messiah Bright played such a big role last season, and not having a player like her that can make runs and check in and move defenders, it just it completely kind of creates your team to have a much more one-dimensional kind of kind of look to it, if, 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 if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Ian, I kind of wanted to ask you a little bit of like, it's not off topic. It's a little off topic with TCU, but I was yeah. curious like for you growing up, who kind of like inspired you with soccer a little bit? Like who was kind of your inspiration and who, who do you look to now like as as a guy you kind of look up to we're just going to grill you ian until you eventually we're going to dig down deep enough to where this is not a service level soccer conversation and exactly. we're getting down in your deepest darkest fears about manchester united yeah yeah well so i mean getting into soccer i mean i didn't know any players when i first got into soccer it's kind of that thing that my parents took me to so they can drop me off and you know i just kind of play yeah. but then you know I, I gravitated towards manchester united and the one player that I just absolutely loved and everyone else loved was Wayne Rooney. I mean, Wayne Rooney was was and is a legend of the game. Um, played a lot of time with Manchester United, played a, a few years with Everton at the start of his career and at the back end, and then came to the MLS to play with DC United. But, I mean, he's he was the one for me that I just loved watching. And that, that that's kind of what drew me to the game. I mean, he was a, he was a forward. I was a midfielder and defender. So I also mm-hmm. admired him scoring goals and things like that because, you know, me running around the field a little, you know, heavy on the weight, you know. I <laughs> couldn't really put the ball in the back of the net too much. I call him bald-headed Rooney. <laughs> bald-headed Rooney? He is bald, right? Am I thinking of the right guy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, his hair receded at a pretty young age. <laughs> Well, I admire him for that. He, you know, that takes resilience to to go out there and be a uh, a really big popular guy. Resilience, in, Engli- you said? In, resi- <laughs> in English soccer, and then you and then you have to go out on the pitch every single day, uh, and and you're like, wow, all these people are staring at the top of my big bald head. <laughs> yeah, you can't like in baseball, you can't hide it with a hat, you know, like. Or a helmet or anything like yeah. that. Well, you know what? He was making millions scoring with that big bald head. Well, is, that's, so. what I, that's what I'm telling you. He took advantage of his big bald head and how amazing it is. This this has gone off the rails quickly. It has. <laughs> it has. But yeah, Wayne Rooney was there. You know, for me. You know, I, I I like to see him score goals. But yeah, I mean. Anyways, getting back to TCU though, they will turn around. I have no doubt about that. Eric Bell has been here. I think he's entering his 13th season as head coach of this team with his with his assistant coach. Um, uh, Ryan Higginbotham and so I mean they know what they're doing you know and and yeah I, I I definitely think that they can turn it around but um they got to go through UAB tomorrow and then they got Texas A&M on Sunday big 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 games coming up for TCU soccer it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch this team as they as they develop and hopefully you know they can they can get it going and we can get back to TCU soccer that we know and love Yeah, so we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about TCU Volleyball. And later on in the show, we'll be talking about the NCAA Week 1 football schedule, as well as uh, Major League Baseball as we get closer to 
the postseason and NFL talk as well. So stay tuned. Lots, lots to cover here on Riff Ram Review right here on KTCU The Choice. Chris, can you put the video game controller down for a second? I can talk and play. Oh, I'm totally annihilating this punk kid in Nebraska. I just feel like you're not acting like a grown-up in our relationship. Am too, am too. Well, you know, you still ride your skateboard to work. There's the comic book collection, the race car bed. Look, I'm young at heart, but I put money to my 401k every paycheck. I picked up a few savings tips at feedthepig.org. I have control of my financial life now, and that feels pretty grown up. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. For free ideas and easy tips on ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. So, I bet I look like a grown-up to you now. Well, except for the footy pajamas, I'd have to agree. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Oh yeah, welcome back everybody. This is a I, I like this song, yeah. Seth. This is solid, man. Yeah, Seth, you did a good job with the music. This got me excited, dude. Yeah. This is probably the thing I'm the most proud of. Yeah? Yeah. Seth Seth's running the board right now, so give him credit where i will give him credit where credit is due he's done a good job compiled the intro he's he's doing a great job you're, you're doing good for our first episode seth thank you thank you thank commander you so dowdle. I'll, I'll pat myself on the back since i'm in a different room as everyone else <laughs> colonel dowdle there you go yeah. yeah well well everyone welcome back to the riff ram review here on 88.7 fm ktcu the choice your choice for college radio my name is ian apishan as i'm joined alongside by the same guys that were with me just about five minutes ago Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle. Yeah. Um, we've been talking all TCU sports so far in this first, well, I guess, first 45 minutes, and we're going to continue that way. We started off with a little football talk with TCU in Colorado, then got into some TCU women's soccer. They're looking to bounce back. But now we got to change focus to an indoor sport. Zion, you've been covering TCU volleyball, and they're coming off of a tough weekend, a little bit like soccer. Um, first, Firstly, talk to us about kind of you and just getting in, just getting into TC volleyball and kind of covering that. Yeah, so I do it for Killer Frogs on Fan Nation on SI sportsillustrated.com. We do Shameless plug. I, I had to, you know, I had to. I had to. Um yeah, so I <laughs> I've been covering TC volleyball. I started last year, uh you know, our editor, you know, you know, our publisher said, "Hey, you know, do you want to start covering TC volleyball?" And I'll be honest, I really didn't know too much about volleyball and over the past year I've kind of been watching it a little more and trying to understand the game a little bit and I feel like I have a pretty decent grasp of TCU you know volleyball and last year was a pretty successful season for TCU it was kind of similar to football like didn't really have high expectations you know we really weren't sure what to expect and they finished fourth in the Big 12 and they made it to the NCAA tournament um, for the first time in quite some time, several years, and, and they won the first round, and they got eliminated by number two, Wisconsin, in the second round. So they kind of just ran into a brick wall because Wisconsin's just really good at with volleyball. I mean, it's just hard, you know, that that's just a tough draw. It's kind of like with TCU running into Gonzaga in the March Madness tournament a little bit. All right, Seth, what's going on? I see you in the other room laughing like crazy well wisconsin just really good at volleyball and and, and then they played minnesota as well yeah and, and and that's just a buzzsaw of sorts the two 
top 10 teams, and especially if any Big Ten team, uh, you know, tonight, I don't know if y'all heard, but Nebraska's playing a volleyball game in their football stadium. Whoa. Really? There's going to be 95,000 people there. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I saw that on um, I, I saw that on uh, LinkedIn. Yeah. LinkedIn? Yeah, I know. That, that, that's why I was kind of like, oh, wait, wait where, where did I see that? And I saw it on LinkedIn. I know. Most <laughs> random place to see that about volleyball, but I saw it. That's <laughs> like, what counts. You're like, well, yeah, I saw I saw it on, on LinkedIn. But, you know, um, <laughs> no, it's definitely like volleyball is definitely popular in other in a lot of different parts of the country. Here, it, I guess it doesn't really get talked about as much, um, but I think like TCU definitely deserves their respect. You're going to look at the record and you see, okay, 0-2, but you played number seven Minnesota and number two Wisconsin. Like, that's a really tough draw. And TCU is definitely talented, but they're not top 10, top 15 talented. There's a lot of good teams in the Big 12. Uh, you know, Texas is currently ranked number seven. Uh, BYU uh, is a new addition. They're ranked number nine. So BYU is like making an impact in other sports, you know, that you wouldn't normally recognize. But yeah, they're really good, obviously, with women's uh, with with volleyball. And Houston's ranked number thirteen. Baylor's ranked sixteen. So Kansas is twenty three. I mean, you're you're really it, it's a very competitive conference when it comes to women's volleyball. And TCU's gonna definitely have their work cut out for them. They lost Callie Williams last year, who was kind of their leader, and she was, you know, fifth-year transfer, and um, her and Jason Williams, you know, kind of came into this program and kind of turned things around. Jason Williams, his first year at the helm for TCU Volleyball, really turned things around. So now you're kind of looking to see, like, okay, who's going to step into that leadership role? And we, you know, I've, I've been to a couple, you know, covered some of the press conferences, and Julia Adams seems to be someone that is going to hope to step into that role. She had a terrific year last year. She just moved into seventh all-time in the TCU Volleyball uh, record books and kills. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she is definitely had a remarkable career for TCU, and she's ready to embrace that leadership role. She said, like, I want to be able to, you know, take this group in – to territory that doesn't feel super unfamiliar. I want to make them feel comfortable. And uh, she's definitely, I think, the right person to, you know, step into that. And, you know, Jalen Gibson um, is another player that I is going to definitely stand out for TCU. She had her first career double-double, um, I believe, yeah, against Minnesota. Uh, we also have some transfers with Melanie Parra. And then, you know, also Riley Buckley is another name you may want to watch. And so, you know, I, I think – TCU should have a fairly good season, and I wouldn't take the first two matches as an indication of what's to come because they played some pretty stiff competition. Yeah, uh, Zion, Audrey Knowles was not did not play this pat the last two games, I believe, right? And that's kind of a thing where she was kind of a, a top top player for TCU last year, and then yes. not having her on the on the court uh, is definitely something. Now I don't know if it, it it probably wouldn't have turned the tide of the games. But it's it's definitely if you watch those games, you can kind of maybe think that hey, TCU's going to play a little bit differently whenever they're fully healthy. Yeah, and they they rotated some players in. They got, you know they got some freshmen uh, freshman players in. Um, Lydia Seymour was is a freshman, and she uh, got her first kill um, of the season. So I think Jason Williams is going to kind of see what he's got, similar to you know. With pretty much any team, you you really want to see what you got with your with your roster, 
And so, yeah, Audrey Knowles is a very important piece to this TCU team, and having her back is is definitely going to make a humongous difference. And uh, they have a, a tournament this weekend in in going up against Coastal Carolina, Georgia, and North Florida. I would like to think TCU can take two of those three and get right back on track because you know this team's good. It just I. It's just a tough start to the season. So now, now with this team, I mean, you know, just kind of like you said, you know, the expectations have to kind of change, you know, and, and sometimes get curved or at certain points, even entering the season, you're not exactly sure how the team is going to end up come the end of the season. But how is the turnover from this team last year? Is it pretty similar or have there been some big changes that kind of like, you know, hey, you know, we're looking to do better than last year? Well, I think. I mean, Callie Williams was someone that losing her has definitely impacted the team. You know, I've, they've mentioned her a few times, and sort of having that presence there um, is, you know, she led the team in assists. I mean, she's a she's a fantastic player, and so losing her definitely was a little unfortunate. But I think no, I mean, it, it's a pretty similar team. I mean, they've added some players, like I said, Melanie Parra was a transfer. Uh, she played at Texas a couple years ago, and so she's coming in and, uh, you know, kind of not necessarily filling Callie Williams. That's more Riley Buckley. She's going to be sort of filling that void a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it feels it feels like a pretty similar team. I think it's more about getting Audrey Knowles back. That's pretty significant. And Jalen Gibson, she's now a sophomore, and I think she's going to grow a lot this season. So I think – expect a lot of big things from her yeah and and I mean kind of just continuing on there I mean with these last two games obviously it's still so early in the season right so you can't really make up your mind yet but in terms of this team have have, have you been like okay look is it is, is it kind of the offensive side of the thing kind of just like generating points on the offensive side or is it like hey you know the team isn't doing great defensively getting digs and getting those blocks that you kind of really need I think I mean from what I was able to interpret, it's more so the offense. And again, like you know, keep drilling that point with Audrey Knowles. It's kind of where you need her um, to to kind of pick up the slack a little bit on offense. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jason Williams this season, it, he seems very confident in what he's got. I don't think it, what I love, what I really like about this team is the chemistry. They have really good chemistry. You could tell in all the interviews. They just really enjoy being around each other um you know they feed off each other they've got really they've got a lot of confidence that they can go up against any team and and take them head on so I think that's something that really stands out and it kind of excites me because you know confidence is and having that is so important so to be able to you know see that and you know they were hoping that they can maybe win one of these matches but Jason Williams is, you know, saying that it's, you know, it's a good test, but it's not the end of the world if you lose the first two matches. Well, TCU women's volleyball is going to look to turn around August 31st. That's tomorrow night. They're playing at Coastal Carolina. That'll be on ESPN Plus at 5 p.m. Then, you know. I'm looking forward to September 1st. We played Georgia. Georgia might have a natty <laughs> on us, but hey, yeah. let, we might let, beat let's get this regular season let's game. Go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. You know, 
add a tally to TCU there for me. So yeah, let's get some it's, revenge. It's the sixty way. the sixty five to seven does not like mean that there's an extra tally on the board. The tallies are just via the wins. Exactly. So if TCU beats Georgia in cross country and then beats them in volleyball. That's two to one. That's an advantage. Give that trophy right back, Georgia. It is yeah. exactly. So. Yeah, I I try. I'm kind of sad that you mentioned the score because I like to just think that TCU lost. It's um, you know the score is kind of. This is an objective show. We have to we have to present the facts, and that is a fact yes. that happened. And you know, is, hey, we're embrace. Let's embrace it. Yeah, and I think that's what the football teams are. Let's doing. Give it a nice little hug. Yeah, exactly. they're embracing it. They said, "Hey, we got our butts kicked, but that doesn't define who we are. We had an incredible season. Let's go back for more." Uh, uh, not not the losing part. You mean the, exactly yeah. not the losing part. Yeah. But we're hungry. Yeah, we want I, more wins. I, I, I bet you, if TCU played Georgia again, that score would not happen. I, you know, I mean, hey, I think we all thought when we went down. You know, we scored a touchdown. It's like ten to seven. I told my friends, guys, we're good. We got this. Like. Come on, it's you know they're kind of dissecting our off our defense, you know, like we're, you know, but that's besides the point. Anyways, yeah. Well, TCU volleyball will play Coastal Carolina on Thursday tomorrow night, 5 p.m. Um, at Coastal Carolina, and then they'll play Georgia on September 1st on Friday. So big stuff there. But we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we got one more full-on hour here on the Riff Ram Review. Here on 88.7 KTCU, the choice. We got NCAA previews for week one. Then we're going to get into a little bit Texas Rangers and AOS madness. That's been absolutely crazy. And then to end the show tonight, we'll get into some Cowboys and NFL talk. But stay here. You're listening to Riff Ram Review here on 88.7 FM KTCU, the choice. Your choice for college radio. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back live at the National Butt Out Finals, and we're down to our last contestant, A.J. Langer. He's all fired up. We can see smoke coming out of his nose, and there's a big cloud of smoke around his head. And there he goes. It's out. He put his butt out in 2.6 seconds. Now the judges are checking his butt to make sure every bit of combustible material is extinguished. A thumbs up. A new world record for extinguishing a cigarette. 2.6 seconds. Lori is with A.J. Lori? AJ, how did you get so good at putting your butt out? Well, Lori, I burnt the house down. I was a careless smoker. So you learned the hard way. Hard and costly way. You have any tips for the smokers out there? Oh, you get a sturdy ashtray, you push down hard, and twist with the wrist. Right. And let's see who can beat 2.6 seconds. Smoking is the number one cause of preventable home fire deaths. Check out usfa.dhs.gov smoking. A message from the U.S. Fire Administration and firefighters everywhere. Well, howdy! Thanks for coming to Big Bubba's. We got a mess of used cars. What can we do for you? Uh, we're looking for, um... Something cute. Well, here's a beauty. A 99 model with a moonroof. As a bonus, we'll throw in a leaking gas tank. You could be driving and kaboom! Adds that zing of excitement. You got any other cars? Wouldn't it be great if you could be warned of life's risks? If you have diabetes, you can. There's a simple blood test called A1C that can help measure your risk of complications from diabetes. Why is it important? Because more than 600 people every day die from diabetes and its complications. If your A1C is above 7, your doctor can show you how to lower it. If you have diabetes, know your risk. Know your A1C. Ask your doctor. Or for more information, go to www.diabetesa1c.org or call 1-877-TEST-A1C. 
Brought to you by the American Diabetes Association, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation International, and the Ad Council. You're listening to FM 88.7. The choice. The choice. Mozart toasties are so very great. Kids rejoice when Mozart's on their plate. They know they're quite nutritious and so delicious. They'll lick the dishes and soon you'll realize how impactful your kids' involvement in the arts can be. They'll get better grades, make more friends, and express their individuality. When they learn to play some music, act, or paint, or dance, or write creatively. Hot from the toaster and filled with the essential creative thinking skills of an 18th century musical genius, Mozart Toasties are an important part of an arts-healthy childhood. Studies show that involvement in the arts helps kids increase test scores and promotes academic achievement. Feed your kids the arts. For 10 simple ways to learn how, visit americansforthearts.org. The arts. Ask for more. Brought to you by Americans for the Arts, the NAM Foundation, and the Ad Council. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... (laughs) Sometimes, though. You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. We need a new stuntman. Let's break for lunch. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Nobody ever says, it's just cancer. Get over it. Or, snap out of it. It's just diabetes. And who would ever say, it's nothing serious, it's just heart disease. But you do hear those words about people living with another serious illness. It's called depression, and it threatens the lives of more than 15 million Americans. Like heart disease, its symptoms can be misleading. Like diabetes, it's biologically based. And like cancer, it can be fatal. So what we should say is what doctors, medical professionals, and other experts say. Depression can be treated. Which is why those who have overcome it say... Getting treatment is like getting your life back. Depression is real, but so is hope. Learn more at depressionisreal.org. Supported by a coalition of organizations, including the American Psychiatric Foundation, the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance, and the League of United Latin American Citizens. What's poppin'? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Welcome back, everybody. Yeah, Jack Harlow needs to sign me up, man. This is one of my favorite that, songs. That needs to not ever happen. Do, 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 do. Oh, goodness. You, you What's poppin'? You might have just ruined the song for me. I'm oh, come gonna... on. Come on, that, Zion. That was bad. I'm, I'm... Peek behind the curtain here. Ian did not know that that was by Jack Harlow until about 10 seconds before he said that. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Thank you, Seth. But anyways, everyone, um, everybody, excuse me, welcome back to... 
the Riff Ram Review here on 88.7 KTCU, the choice, your choice for college radio. If you joined us for the last hour, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're joining us this hour and you're driving home from work or going to work to work a late night shift, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate the support um, here at KTCU. We had a good last hour talking a little bit about um, TCU football, you know, heading towards Saturday in, um, for the big game against Colorado. We talked a little bit about TCU soccer, and then Zion gave us a great recap, really going into depth about TCU volleyball and kind of how, how they just need to bounce back um, for the rest of the season. But now into the second hour, we're going to start things off going into some NCAA matchups for this weekend. So we're really looking forward to that. Um, I know, you know, we're all looking forward to the TCU Colorado game, but there's also a couple games left on, uh, on, on tap. It is the best weekend of the year. If, if you ask me, college football, uh, is, is a great sport. The, the, the best that this country has to offer, not the NFL obviously is better, but college football brings me more entertainment on a week to week basis. Uh, it just, that's just my humble opinion. There are some good games, Zion in the end. Uh, and Zion, I believe that you're going to want to talk about arguably the biggest game of the first couple weeks of this season. Yeah, it's definitely the biggest game. And before I start, I would, I would say that it is definitely a, an elite week for sports but like October man like you got like NBA f- or NBA season start almost like NBA finals NBA season starting uh you know NFL college football baseball playoffs like October is the month it is the month but this is a great week as well it is it is fantastic so yeah this is i think the biggest game of yeah probably the first 2 weeks it's number 8 Florida State versus number 5 LSU I'm pretty excited for this game. Uh, last year, these two teams played in week one, and uh, Florida State did get the win. And while neither team was ranked at the time, they both both had pretty good seasons. I mean, uh, LSU ended up in the SEC championship game. They got their butts whooped. They did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they did. But, you know, LSU as a whole, like, man, they just had a crazy year for athletics like from women's basketball to baseball like now football is in the top five like put a ring on it man this is this is okay i see what you did there yeah they're pretty i mean they're they got to feel good about where their athletics athletics department's at in this game uh if it's anything like last year's game it is going to be a ton of fun i don't know if y'all remember how this game ended last year but it was absolutely insane. Do y'all do y'all remember? I don't. I I can't. I'm trying to remember. Well, I can try my best to paint the picture here. But Florida State ends up coming out on top, and Florida State pretty much has the game in their hands late in the fourth quarter. They have the ball in LSU inside of LSU's ten yard line, maybe even inside of the five. I can't remember. But I think in an opportunity up by a touchdown, twenty eight uh, twenty eight twenty one, I believe to go down and either ice it with a field goal or just punch it back into the end zone and just end the game and end everyone's hope. There's like a minute and a half, two minutes left at this point. Handoff inside the 10, Florida State fumbles, and LSU recovers. So then LSU drives down the field, and on the final play of regulation, they score a touchdown. And so then now, you know, Brian Kelly and that LSU staff, they have a choice to make. And that choice was either to take the point and send it to overtime or go for two. You know, it's a, the dilemma of yeah. the century. Brian Kelly elects to go for two. 
and they do not get it. And Florida State wins the game. Yeah, that's it's that was definitely a wild start. Hopefully, we get something similar to that. Like, I, I want to see a really competitive game here, and it's got like it's got the headlines. You know, Jaden Daniels and Jordan Travis. I think they're both. You know, it's kind of hard to gauge who's going to be a Heisman finalist, but that's kind of like some two of the guys that I've seen getting some Heisman buzz. So it's definitely going to be. Um, an exciting matchup there with you know the quarterback position they both have some really good defensive players with Harold Perkins and Jared Verse so it's it's a really exciting matchup I think LSU is gonna win I think I think they'll win I would you know what I'll go a step further they're gonna win with a game-winning field goal at the buzzer to knock off Florida State this game actually, uh, that that's a great prediction, but this game has the potential to be the letdown bowl, and not in terms of the game being good or not, but in terms of these two teams' seasons just being underwhelming uh, based on their preseason ranking. Florida yeah. State is kind of getting the NC State treatment that NC State got mm-hmm. uh, last year where NC State had a had a good year the year before and then kind of had a, you know, like everyone's like, oh, okay, you know, they're going to be good. And then Florida State, you know, had that good year last year, uh, but it you know, there's always the the scenario where uh, they just bottom out. Yeah, it's important to not like. I think the preseason poll rankings is it's not like yeah they're there, but I mean pretty much nothing. It's yeah, take it with a grain of salt. Like the literally, if you look at last year at the beginning, the top twenty five rankings, and then at the end of the season, it's drastically different. So like, you know. Teams are going to be overrated, Texas. Um, you know, there's just going to be. Did a you lot say of... something there? Or did I? Oh no, okay. I, I have no idea what um, that just came out. Texas there. overrated? What? No, I mean they're back. I thought they're, I thought they were back. They were. Haven't they been back? Twenty. Yeah, yeah. yeah I saw them the other uh, day. Yeah, <laughs> I saw it. They beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, was that was that 2018? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're they're yeah. back then. Uh, Texas. I'm sorry, Texas. Yeah. Yeah, they're. We'll Pipe see. down, Texas. Okay. <laughs> Until they actually, like, go out there and really show me. Because they have a good team, but it's kind of hard to, like, it's kind of hard to tell. Well, you, you're 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 an ex-Texas fan. I man. am. And so I grew up, you know, and I know Ian's giving me the death stare Criminal. right now. I was a Texas fan, but, like, the Cowboys, I can admit when they're a little bit overrated. And the last... You know, several years not look too good for him, but <laughs> I'm a f- too good at all. No, I've, I've been a full on TCU fan. Like I don't like if TCU plays Texas, like horns down, like TCU is going to win. Like I have, I have a revelation for you. TCU does play Texas on November nineteenth, yeah. and and regardless of how Texas is doing, that's still going to be a fun game. And I'm, and then on all seriousness, I think Texas will be good, but you know, like competing in the college football championship good i don't think so but we'll see there are there are some other good weeks uh, good games this week i I, y'all would probably agree with that but my favorite game of the week is not tcu colorado it is not florida state lsu it is not even you know uh, nebraska minnesota tomorrow night or utah florida it is the bowl to end all bowls the can iowa score a touchdown on mountain west utah state 
That is such a you pick. Like, that's such a <laughs> Seth pick for like, the game he's excited for. They are 24-point <laughs> favorites, and I don't know if they can score a single one of those because Cade <laughs> McNamara, the former Wolverine, is going to lead this just pity of this this, this this pitiful offense that Iowa is going to roll out there. It's the punt bowl. There's going to be punting everywhere. Punt Do you all remember week one of Iowa's season last year? Do you know what the score was? They beat South Dakota State. Seven to three. Now, how did they get those seven points? They had two safeties and a field goal. They did not score a touchdown, they, but they won the game. Iowa cannot gain a lick of yards, but they seem to have hope because they have Caden McNamara. He played quarterback at Michigan. He might be good. Eh, it's not going to be fun for Iowa this season. Iowa is going to be dreadful. Why are they 25? They're ranked 25th right now. Is it because their punter's the best punter in the country? Probably. That's the only reason I can see. I'm sitting on my soapbox right now because I love watching Iowa. They are the greatest entertainment for me. Uh, watching Ohio State beat the doors off of Iowa last year was just the greatest thing. I don't even hate Iowa. I like Iowa. I just, they're just not going to score. Well, Iowa is uh, the cornfields, right? Yeah, there's corn fields in Iowa. there, like Field of Dreams cornfields. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. You can't corn score fields, in a cornfield. Safeties and field goals. Yeah, welcome to Iowa. It's not been good for Iowa football. Iowa State was pretty pretty tragic. They had a good defense, but yeah, those. Speaking of good defense, Iowa has a great defense, but they can't score. So, but doesn't defense win championships? They'll just have to like no. They'll just have to <laughs> not here get some fumble sixes or, you know, pick off the quarterback four times and hope one of them goes to the house or get two safeties and a field goal, call there it a go. day, and win the game. I like yeah. that. You need to have like Scrappy. an A plus kicker <laughs> and an A plus punter. Like you can't have you got you got to be like really solid on the special teams end if your offense is. Well, gonna be Iowa great. is also tight end you, and yeah, they is. usually have and George Kittle. They have very good. No. Uh, off, offensive line too as well but you but they that's it that their quarterbacks are usually inept uh this year hopefully it'll be a little bit better with Cade McNamara who who Cade McNamara who started games at Michigan which is no you know small task but I just think I the reason I am talking about this game so much Iowa is going to win the game that is that is almost you know hope. in in the cards absolutely in the cards but I just love watching them i will choose to sit down and watch iowa football and i know that y'all cannot join me in this because y'all are not sickos yeah exactly that's that is some you know that's some dedicated like fanship right there to sit down and watch like iowa and that's like this is such a like i like because the reason i say this is such a seth game because seth will text us saying watching the most bizarre matchups like yeah i'm watching you know just i, I don't even i can't even give you an example like the a's no offense but like, hey whoa. i mean I, that's honestly all i could really think of in the head you know off the top of my head right there but like seth will find the most bizarre matchups to watch and like no money on the game just pure enjoyment of the most bizarre matchups so picking an iowa game it's fitting it's very fitting to say the least i'm just trying to have a good time and that's how i have a good time well there are some other games too i mean uh penn state's playing west virginia it's gonna be interesting to see in all seriousness penn state uh drew aller uh uh, drew aller 
Drew Alar. There are three different ways to pronounce this guy's name, and no one can seem to find a consistent uh, consistent way to say it. Not even him. I've heard him say it three different ways. Uh, but he five star uh, recruit. Uh, interesting to see how he, you know, kind of takes the helm there at Penn State, especially going against West Virginia. That's going to be a game that uh, you know TCU fans keeping an eye on. That's a Big Twelve opponent uh, for sure. Y'all are going to be at the game against Colorado on yes. Saturday, correct? Oh, yeah, we will. Yeah, it's it's going to be hot, man. I'm not going to lie. Like it it's going to be brutal. There might be some students that like are in serious trouble by halftime. Yeah, so you're oh, not, yeah. you're not going to be watching any other games at 11 then. No. Most definitely not. Wait, you're not going to be there? That's not what I didn't say that. Oh, oh. But I'm not. Oh. Sad. <sighs> Seriously? No, I'm not going to be there. <sighs> man. What you doing? It's it's opening. It's actually opening weekend for college football. Big noons here. Where are you going to be, man? I'm going to put my dunce cap on. I'll be in Little Rock, Arkansas. Because, uh, well, this is kind of a funny story. I forgot. I had a bit of a scheduling mishap here. Uh, I agreed to go to the Arkansas Western Carolina game in Little Rock, <laughs> uh, and they they uh I was I did not I was not told the date whenever this information was given to me. And I said, yes, I would love to go to the Arkansas-Western Carolina game. That sounds like a fun time. A trip to Little Rock, fantastic. And then I find out about three to four weeks later that it is on September 2nd at noon. And that coincidentally is an hour after TCU starts at 11 here in Fort Worth, which I will be five hours away from. That's brutal. You're going to miss our TCU's home opener. Coming off a national championship where everyone is going to go just go crazy when they step on the field. And you're going to be watching Arkansas versus who? Who are they playing? Uh, Western Carolina. That's. You don't know them? It better be worth it, Seth. It, you know what? I think it will. Hey, you know what? A trip to War Memorial Stadium will be nice. It's You know, I've heard. I've had sources that have told me that the Wi-Fi is great in the press box. Wi-Fi is great at the press oh. box at War Memorial Stadium. It's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. It works really the, well. The Wi-Fi at the Carter, oh my goodness. And game day, it's brutal. Like, you're lucky to get, you know, Instagram loaded, a, a single post loaded at the Carter. And you're standing the entire time. You don't have to stand. You can sit. If, yeah, you, you can if you want to just stare into someone's backside. <laughs> yeah, you're not. And then you're oh, <laughs> on third down. Yeah, you're not gonna taking the keys out on third down. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna sit. As you know, we're all students, obviously at TCU. So we, you know, the last two years I transferred here. So I, you know, in 2021, and that's when these guys started here as well. So we've kind of seen the student section evolve, you know, a little bit and it gets rowdy and every sport too. That's what's kind of crazy too, is that every sport kind of, as we've been here has kind of gotten bigger. Basketball is one I think of especially. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's I'm, I'm excited for basketball too, but we're not going to talk about basketball. Exactly. Save for the yeah. basketball podcast. Yeah. 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 That's, that's we'll save that stuff for the future, but no, I mean some great matchups this weekend, Seth, I am sad to hear that you will not be here in attendance in Fort worth, but have sure. fun at war Memorial stadium Interesting fact about War Memorial Stadium, at the corners of the field, it actually slopes upward, believe it or not. So when you're playing a soccer game, the ball actually is make, it, it, it makes it really difficult to have the ball leaning on that on that corner kick area. But hopefully that doesn't affect football too much. But yeah, have fun in, at War Memorial Stadium. 
in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. Little Rock's always fun to kind of yeah, go I'll, to I'll, and check out. I'll bring an update to next show on next Wednesday about the Iowa-Utah State game. I'll give my little recap of uh, what that was like. All right. Well, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. We've, we will be right back after this break. Yeah. I think I just caught Zion out. But, yeah, we will be right back after this break here on 88.7 FM KTC, the choice, your choice for college radio. Stick here to listen to the rest of Riff Ram Review here tonight. Hi, this is Terry Crews, actor, former football player, and father of five. I'm also an expert on drama. There's a good kind that comes with having a house full of kids, and there's silly drama like the drama around my percolating pectorals. And then there's the drama you can skip. Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. And lead the drama to actors like me. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council. Welcome back to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 KTCU The Choice. I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Napetian and Seth Dowdle. This is episode number one. Thank you all for tuning in. We've talked about TCU football and the excitement about that. We've talked about TCU soccer and volleyball, and we've talked about NCAA week number one. But now we're going to get into the pros. We're going to be talking about Major League Baseball with the postseason right around the corner. And we're going to be talking a little bit about the Texas Rangers because that team has had its ups and downs in the month of August. They went on an eight-game winning streak and an eight-game losing streak in the same month. It's unbelievable. They're currently in a uh, game three with the Mets right now. They're down three to two, I believe, in the bottom of the sixth. Yep. Uh, but we're going to be talking about the Texas Rangers for a little bit. Uh, Seth, why don't you start us off? What are your, you know, just let's let's talk about the Rangers a little bit. What are your thoughts? Well, and the immediacy, uh, down 3-2, and then Oakland, uh, not Oakland, Seattle and uh, Houston both won today. So uh, a loss would put Texas solely in second place with Seattle and Houston tied at the top. Uh, but a win obviously would maintain that three-way tie for the AOS. That and that's the big story right now. This last these last thirty games are going to be uh, crazy. A three-way tie uh, coming into today in the American League West: Seattle, Houston, and Texas. Uh, Los Angeles and Oakland are uh, way in the back of the classroom. Uh, hey man, yeah. watch it. Okay, can we first of all can we talk about what the Angels did first before we get into the Rangers? Like, and before I forget, the Angels yesterday. Sent Lucas Giolito, Matt Moore, Ronaldo Lopez, Randall Gritchick, and Hunter Renfro to waivers. Like, for a, a salary? Seven to eight million dollars, if my math is correct, is how much money that the Angels are going to be saving for Shohei? For getting. Well, no, they're not. Why, why would. No, just that just to save money. Just. Just to get rid of some cash. To me, that just. I, I don't think I've. I, like. I don't know if I've ever seen that, that before. Well, we've certainly honest. never seen the waiver system used yeah. that that way. Uh, and it, it is just a, a pure salary dump. But I would not be surprised if the Players Union files a grievance on the Angels here about this. Uh, just because this is kind of, you know, this is not, doesn't feel like best practice to me. Yeah, it's like when you're in last place in fantasy and you just decide I'm going to try to I'm just going to drop everyone because my season's over. It's like, a little rage quit. Yeah, it is a rage quit. And it, to me, that's just annoying because 
teams with the highest waiver claim are going to be able to get... Now, Lucas Giolito struggled with the Angels, but Matt Moore is a quality bullpen arm. And now, if the Texas Rangers get him, like, some, I don't know what the waiver order is, but if the Rangers somehow get Matt Moore, like, I'm going to be like... Thank you, LA. Like, appreciate it. Well, the waiver order is in ter- is winning in record, percentage right? uh, from last to best. So Oakland would have first dibs on anyone. And in theory, the A's could claim all of those people right now. We and, could, and there would be no- nothing else anyone could do about it. Well, what, so when you okay, that, that makes yeah. I mean, I'm I'm praying that we don't because it wouldn't. It would literally mean nothing to us. <laughs> no it would sense. literally mean nothing. Yeah. It would be us actually taking it away from the teams that want it. I mean, that's the only thing that, the, like, the only yeah. reason why you the would The teams do that are most likely to probably pick up these guys are in the wild card race at this point, and most of those teams are in the National League. So that you're talking about the Diamondbacks, the Marlins, uh, the Phillies, the Giants, uh, the Giants, the D-backs, uh, all those, the Cubs, uh, the Reds, all those kinds of teams, and then... It's going to be a long shot for the even the top of the crop of the AL West and the top of the crop of the American League to even get any of these guys just because um, that race isn't as jumbled as much and the records are a little bit more spread out. Yeah, I'm okay with the Mariners. If the Mariners and Astros don't land any of these guys, okay, well, you know, that's fine. But, I mean, the Rangers could really use Matt Moore, if I'm being honest. Yeah, and, and I mean, for, for me, again, for everyone listening, I'm an A's fan. I'm not a Rangers fan. I pay attention to the AL West, obviously, because we're in the AL West. But, I mean, for me, kind of looking at the Rangers from a different fan's perspective, I mean, you start off super hot. I think, the first of all, the offense has been really solid all season, obviously, a couple hiccups as of late over the last month, maybe month and a half. But I think, you know, then you look at their pitching. Their pitching was great, and I think Bruce Bochy had a lot to do with that, obviously, especially um, hearing from you guys saying that, like, the bullpen was really tight, and and, and they, they did a good job, um, you know, early on in the season. But, um, you know, now it's just kind of things are slowly falling apart. But um, one thing I did want to talk about, though, just from that Angels trade was Matt Moore. I didn't realize how good of a season Matt Moore was having until Zion told me this yesterday. Well, have you seen his numbers from last year? Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, and that's the thing. It's I, I mean, I didn't... To me, Matt Moore has been irrelevant for the longest time, <laughs> but that's just me. But then I looked at his stats, and I mean, well, last year, 5-2, and two, 1.95 ERA in 63 games. Yeah, with um, the Rangers. Yeah, with the Rangers, right? And, gosh, I mean... He was great. Had 74 um, innings pitched, 83 strikeouts. So, I mean, he obviously came into some, you know, tough tough situations, but he got the job done. And then this year, he's 3-1 and one with a 2.3 ERA, played 40 games. And, I mean, God, I mean, like, for some reason, I feel like I've completely dissed Matt Moore. And he's, he's still good. I mean, I, I got to be honest. I mean, until yesterday, I didn't realize how good Matt Moore was still doing. Yeah, he's, he switched to a bullpen role. Obviously, he came up as a starting pitcher, and he's kind of adjusted to that. Uh, back with the bullpen for the Rangers, Ian, that has been like the roller coaster of the season. Uh, and the pitching as a whole has kind of been a roller coaster. But there have been spurts where this bullpen, especially during early August, where the bullpen has looked magnificent and there's nothing you could do. Everything is clicking. And then this last two weeks uh the stat that really defines the texas rangers season and particularly the last couple of seasons is uh 25 converted saves and 25 blown saves yeah that, that's just not a winning formula obviously um 
And a lot of those saves, especially the last couple of blown saves, have come in the same game. Like, the team has given the bullpen multiple opportunities to shut it down in a tight situation, and it just they can they have continued to to fall short. Now, last couple of games, last two in particular, bullpen has come up really clutch, including this game that's happening right now. Martin Perez, currently in for the Rangers, is about to has thrown two scoreless innings so far out of the pen after uh, Dane Dunning gave up three runs in his start. So it's just been it's it's been up and down up and down up and down and just you would really wish uh that that consistency would be there uh but it it just hasn't yeah it's and the the lack of converting with runners in scoring position they were so good at that in the beginning of the season that's what made them so good and lately it's kind of sputtered a little bit and it's more so like the bottom of the order like you know the top of the order Marcus Simeon he's I mean, it's a shocker when he doesn't get on base. And Corey Seager has been literally seeing beach balls at the plate all season long. Dude's hitting like 350. He's, I, I mean, he's the best hitting shortstop in baseball. He's one of the best hitters in baseball. So you know, like him and then Nathaniel Lowe has been pretty good this year. And But I think really like when Josh Young went out on the injured list, like that has had a way bigger impact than I think some people realize. Like I understand most people recognize how good Josh Young has been this season, but he's kind of been that he was kind of the security blanket behind Adolis Garcia, where you know Adolis he's a power hitter. He's gonna give you some you know big time hits, but he's also gonna strike out a lot. And Josh Young, you know, he, yeah, he, he does strike out a little bit too, but he was kind of that security blanket if that makes sense. And then Leody Tavares has kind of struggled a little bit. He was kind of that guy, like, in the beginning of the year. One through eight might be struggling, but Leody's going to find a way on base. And that really hasn't been happening as much. But this team has a like, – it's a good team. Like, this this team isn't bad. It's just – it's, you know, trying to figure out what's going wrong. And the bullpen has certainly struggled. And Will Smith, I think, you know, last night he pitched well. But, you know – Hitters are kind of figuring out his stuff a little bit. I mean, it's not – he doesn't have, like, crazy stuff. I mean, he's got a fastball and a slider. Like, you know, it's – but it works because he locates well and he's a smart pitcher. But, you know, that's it, – it's kind of been a little streaky recently. But, yeah. In, in the glass-half-full approach to the Texas Rangers 2023 season, uh, as we've been kind of looking at, like, the, the, the problems, you know – uh, what's what's ugly about the Rangers right now? The glass half full approach, and this is kind of how I try to approach everything with this team in particular, especially with everyone in Zion. I think you would agree that the Rangers window, while it was opening this year, we certainly were not jumping through that window to take the Commissioner's Trophy and win the World Series. In terms of that, was the expectation. This was kind of a step forward year. At the beginning of the year, we were looking forward to what this new revamped starting rotation was going to look like and what year two of Simeon and Seeger and then what year one of Young and what all this was going to gel together. If you would have told me at the beginning of the season that the Rangers would sit in a tie for first with the Mariners and the Astros with 30 games left, Zion, would you have just taken that? No, I mean, I would not have... I would not have seen that coming. I, I made a, you know, in the beginning of the season, my prediction was like 80 to 85 wins. Like I would be more than happy with that fighting for a wild card spot. So they've certainly surpassed expectations. It's more of like, 
now that you're in first place for most of the season, now that the bar's been set and, you know, you have to meet that. And I think for me personally, and I think a lot of Rangers fans, younger Rangers fans can agree. And, you know, it's been seven years. 2016 was the last time this team made the playoffs. Like I was a sophomore in high school and the last time the Rangers were and and you guys were, you know, even younger. And now I'm a senior in college and we have a shot at the postseason. And the last two trips we've had to the playoffs have not gone well. It's been very heartbreaking. And then obviously like 2010, they lost to the Giants in the World Series. In 2011, they refused to talk about. But like, I just, I just want to see this. I, I've, I just want to see this team in the postseason. And, you know, I think fans are going to be a little more like anxious to see that happen. Yeah, and and again, kind of like just what you said there. I mean, coming into this season, you would have taken what that record shows right now if yeah. someone told you, "Hey, this is where the Rangers." Not would even be. like if you told me the position. You just tell me, like, tell me the seventy-five and fifty-seven. Yeah. I snatched that up in a heartbeat. We could be, you could be a third place and in the mix of the wild card. That, that I take that. No, exactly, and and right. I mean, you look at last. You, if if you look at last season, right, sixty-eight and ninety-four, thirty-eight games are back. Yeah, a and first the, place in the AOS. 16 102. And the improvements there have have you know when you looked at that 15 and 35 on one run games last year, that was bound to improve and it has. It mm-hmm. has improved. But the problems in terms of converting like close games into wins is still a problem. But again, last year's team wasn't as bad as it, it the record. And this year's team probably is over exceeding a little bit of the expectations in terms of the, especially with the bottom of the order and the bullpen when it's at its peak. But the bottom of the order, especially really young guys, Ezekiel Duran, Leody Tavares, Josh Young, uh, and then guys like having weird breakout seasons like yeah. Travis Jankowski. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's it's just like a hodgepodge of those guys that have like all like clicked at the at the right time, and it's been beautiful to watch. It's great, but sometimes you know, especially younger players, especially later in the season, they're kind of gonna get in that little funk and. And unfortunately, everyone got into a little funk at the exact same time. That's what that eight-game losing streak was, yeah. was just everyone was in a funk. Yep. But you can kind of expect, hopefully with some veteran leadership that Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon provide, that the Rangers are going to take this postseason battle head-on. And especially, you mentioned the Bruce Bochy effect. This is a manager that you know has the experience to win a World Series. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, kind of just going back to that idea of of, of the Rangers record this season, right? I mean, you start the season so hot and you continue that. And, you know, Zion, you said it, right? It's like you'd still take the 75 and 57, but at the same time, you're partway through the season. You then curb your expectations once again and say, all right, this is where we are. This is where we need to be then at the end of the season if this is how things are going, right? And But I think that's what's so tough about being a fan is that sometimes – it's not that you get greedy, but you want to see your team just doing as well as possible. And you get to that point where your team is firing on all cylinders left and right. You know, guys at the plate are just seeing the ball well. The guys are locating on the mound and just, you know, pitching really well, both starters and bullpen. But then you kind of hit that brick wall. And as a fan, you know, part of you wants to be frustrated. You want to be like, what's going on here? But at the same time, you then have to realize, look, this is a huge step forward from last season. And to think that it's, even with the same, with a lot of the same guys, yeah. right? And I think when you look at the Rangers between 2020, what, 2022 and 2023, you saw the extreme of both. You saw the extreme 
the extremely poor results, but now you're kind of seeing the extremely overwhelmingly exciting results. And what you need to then find, hopefully this comes next season, is that consistency throughout the season, right? And I think that's the biggest thing, especially when it comes to World Series, is you need to be consistent. You can't afford to have drop-offs at the plate, or if you do, you need to have those guys that are consistent hitters to always be in your lineup to pick up the team when they need it. Yeah, and the and and the hope of like winning in the postseason for the Rangers is not lost. I just want to make this very clear. Rangers are still very much in Absolutely. the hunt here, uh, and it, even if they do lose tonight and fall into second place. Uh, a game back still very much in position to to make the postseason even if it's a wild card team but you're right Zion and Ian about how the route that the Rangers have taken to get to 75 and 57 kind of you know makes you makes a Rangers fan feel like hey whenever that eight game winning streak was happening for instance in August uh, that this team can never lose again this is the greatest team in the American League but then that eight game losing streak happens and you know we kind of get back to the median and your expectations have you know changed from this is what we want to wait i thought we were going to win the world series what just happened yeah and i you know i still have, I, I like I, I think i still have a lot of confidence that this team can make the play i love this team you know it's it's been so much fun to watch this season and uh, another thing too just really quickly is the jacob de injury i think and just injuries as a whole has really taken a toll like yeah nathan evaldi who's still hurt jonah heim who's you know, still hurt. He's still hurt. Yeah, I mean, he's great defensively. He's one of the best defensive catchers. You know, Josh Young, Corey Seager, you know, a bunch of guys have taken stints on the IL, and Jacob DeCrum is a pretty significant – like, people are like, oh, they'll be fine. Like, they got, you know, John Gray. And, like, John Gray has been good this season, but it's like, okay, <laughs> well, we did just lose, like, the best – one of the best pitchers in baseball. Like, that's not something to just be like, yeah, that's okay. You know, like, that was a pretty significant injury. And I think we all expected him to be hurt at some point, but that really was a big blow. And, you know, but at full strength, the rotation, I feel very good about Scherzer, Ivaldi, and Montgomery in a in a playoff series. Like, that's solid. Yeah, and, and I mean, even just – I mean, and, and, and this is kind of all the baseball aside of the performance aside. I mean, just looking at the Rangers um, for, for, for the rest of the season, they have 29 more games left in the season. 16 of those are going to be against AL West opponents. Yep. All in front of them. You control exactly. your own destiny. You, you control your own destiny. And obviously, right, you, you, look at the, you look at the series against the A's, you look at the series against the Angels. Those are no doubters, hopefully, right? I mean, if you're the Rangers fan. you got to, Those are games that the Rangers going into them. They're series that, like, hey, we got to take at least two out of three here. And against the A's. And against no the A's, you, you gotta think sp- sweep. You, you sweep. have to. You have to think sweep against the A's, two out of three against the Angels. You guys play the Astros in, well, I think it's next week, but then you play a three-game series against the Mariners pretty soon, and then to round out the season, you play four games against the Mariners. So to me, no matter what, if you guys get into the playoffs, well, well, sorry, hold on. When you guys get into the playoffs, if you guys end that four-game stint with the Mariners winning that series, I mean, that just might be all of the adrenaline that you need to make a nice run in the playoffs. And it only takes that series for this Rangers team to just catch fire and just go off. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I think the Rangers have, have, you know, they've, they've had their few bumps in the road, but I mean, again, look, the, it, just like you guys said, 
it's in their destiny. It's in their own hands. They just have to perform. But um, that's been our Rangers talk and kind of AOS talk there as well. You know, um, it's it's been an exciting season, and I mean, it's it's slowly coming to an end. But hopefully, for Rangers baseball, it's just going to be starting up as. Uh, Playoffs are coming pretty soon, but we'll be right back here on 88.7 FM KTC, The Choice, after this couple-minute break, but you're listening to Riff Ram Review here on 88.7 The Choice. Okay, forest animals, kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their visit a good one. Sparrow, have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course. Catchy. I like it. River, how's the temperature? It's a refreshing 52 degrees, man. I love it. Uh, Turtle. He's not here yet, man. Uh, He's late every morning. Okay. Squirrel. The forest has been preparing just for you. To learn more about cool things to do in the forest, visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Riff Ram Review right here on KTCU The Choice. I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Apetian and Seth Dowdle. We're going to be wrapping it up here with our final segment talking about the NFL and specifically the Dallas Cowboys and a pretty big trade that just went down uh, just a few days ago. The Cowboys acquiring quarterback Trey Lance from the 49ers in exchange for a 2024 fourth-round pick, I believe. Yep. Or, yep. Yeah, 2024. 2024. And uh, it's a pretty big trade. The Cowboys don't usually trade for a lot of quarterbacks. I can't remember the last time they did. And, you know, obviously you feel confident with Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush. But I want to tell a quick story real quick because one of my friends from the Bay Area, um, he is a big-time Trey Lance fan. It's kind of weird. I, I, I don't, is he a North Dakotan? Nope. He's, he's been in the Bay Area his whole life. He's a Trey Lance stan. Like, I, I don't. You know, and despite the injuries, like he stuck through with it. And, you know, he's kind of excited for this season because he thought, you know, he'd get an opportunity. But Brock Purdy did take them all, you know, the NFC Championship game. So when he found out he got traded, and of all teams to the Dallas Cowboys, who he does not like, he was devastated. And I was laughing, like, in his, it was pretty funny because I was like, (laughs) yeah, we just got Trey Lance. Like, and actually, like, Back in May, I went to a Rangers A's game and Trey Lance was there. And I sent him a video to mess with him. I was like, Oh, Trey Lance, future cowboy. I meant, Oh, like, no, <laughs> but you know, and then it actually happened. And so, yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, Jason, that 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 happened, that happened, you know, but shout out, Jason. Yeah, shout out, Jason, for his, you know, un- un- weird love of the third string quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys yeah it's uh, but it is an interesting trade and I think it's you know obviously the Cowboys see something in him they they see an opportunity to utilize him maybe maybe this season maybe you know if, if Dak goes down they feel like you know maybe Cooper Rush can't take the reins because defenses might have figured him out they don't really they really haven't seen Trey Lance so Trey Lance offers something different who knows? I think putting expectations on Trey Lance is like putting expectations on the Dallas Cowboys yeah. as a whole nowadays. I think y'all could agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with with the Cowboys, I mean, again, this disclaimer, this is a Raiders fan speaking about the Cowboys. So, you know, I'm I'm not as in tune with, you know, the Cowboys as other folks. But I just feel like with the Cowboys, the expectations are always incredibly high. And it's not that that's not okay. It's just certain seasons— you gotta know that's not what you're gonna get, right? And and but I think what the problem is with that is is with the Cowboys, you just haven't been up to par at all. 
Well, there's a standard this that was set, exactly that, that was standard set a long time ago that has not been met. Yep. It has been since before I was born and before you were born, Zion, that the yep. Cowboys competed in an SCU championship game. Yeah. And that expectation is still there for, you know, I think I think honestly uh myself and a lot of Cowboys fans in this generation have kind of that have grown up and they have not seen that kind of success have tempered them to a to a fair extent. And I'm not going into this year with any expectations. There's not a single one, not a single lick of expectations in my body. But they have improved and like yeah, that's good. That's that's a good thing. That's a healthy thing for you Seth to not set expectations for the Cowboys because they have broken my heart so many times, man. It's hard out here, man, being a Cowboys fan. If I had a crying Jordan-esque drop, I would play it right yeah, now. Yeah, it's yep. it's tough. I mean, they've not made an NFC Championship game with incredible talent with Tony Romo, Des Bryant, Jason Witten, you know, CeeDee Lamb, Ezekiel. Like, a ton of really, really talented players have come through this organization and have nothing to show for it. But they've taken a different strategy this season, this offseason, which I was really pleased to see, and is make trades. And it's like, what? The Cowboys don't make, they don't acquire, they build their team through the draft. That's always what they've been doing, you know, for several years since I've been watching the Cowboys. It's build the team through the draft. You look at the entire roster, pretty much almost every single, like, player is through the draft. And a couple guys they've signed and traded. This offseason, they traded for Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks. Great additions. Now they traded for Trey Lance. It seems like Jerry and Steven are sitting here like, okay, it actually has kind of been a while, hasn't it? We kind of need to do something about it. So I can respect that personally, that they're doing something different because you can't just build a team through the draft. You've seen team Super Bowl winning teams in the past make big trades and have helped them win. Yeah, and, and kind of just, I guess, continuing on that subject, right? Just like you said, Cowboys have never been a team to make those trades and build around trade players right yeah they've always been hey draft these guys you know get them in young kind of you know cultivate them into an nfl all-around nfl player and then have them go do you know and 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 prosper for your team right and and i mean it's kind of good that you need that and at some point you kind of right have to look at the drawing board and say okay you know this hasn't worked and and i mean i and, and i think if if i'm a cowboys fan it's 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 um it's inspiring to see that the that the the board is actually kind of looking at themselves and saying, "Hey, we're trying something else. This may or may not work." You know, I mean, Stephon Gilmore's getting older. Brandon Cooks has definitely fallen off as you know compared to what he used to be. Yeah. But these are inspiring signs if you're a fan to just kind of see this new philosophy that the team is trying to take and, on. And Gilmore had a good season last year. He was he is older, but he did have a good year last year, and he's an excellent number two with Trayvon. On your point of trades. And both y'all's point on trades, I guess. Uh, the biggest trade, arguably in the NFL's history, but the biggest trade in Cowboys history was a trade that the Cowboys sent away Herschel Walker to get draft picks, and those draft picks ended up, you know, leading to Troy Aikman and and everyone else that was involved. Emmitt Smith. Emmitt Smith, yes, yeah. and all the uh, a lot of other people that were involved in those '90s championship teams. But that's, that's exactly right. Those those pick those are picks, and this and, and the Cowboys have drafted well historically and i think they still continue to draft well i would i'll give them the benefit of the doubt for any draft pick until uh it turned they turn into a taco charlton-esque uh player yeah that's the only (laughs) pick they've really like kind of missed on in the first round it's it it is a a very impressive track record 
But again, expectations for this season are, you know, for me at least, are tempered. But, you know, a lot of people have, you know, great expectations for what the Cowboys could be. And a lot of people, you know, want to see them not meet those expectations, frankly, right? Yeah, and because the Eagles are the best team in the NFC still. I mean, they're, they are so loaded at every position. Jalen Hurts is remarkable. The Giants are going to be good this year. Washington, I really have no idea. But they're still going to be a tough team to beat. Sam Howell, my guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's – so the NFC East is tough. But, yeah, the, if you look at teams, you look at Super Bowl teams, and I wanted to give some examples, like the Rams, with what they did – they gave up almost all of their draft picks, but they it worked because they Chips won in f- to the middle of the table. Yeah, right? they won. They went all in. They went all in and won a Super Bowl, and that's something like the Cowboys don't have to do that because I would like the Cowboys to keep their picks because they're good at it. But yeah, like the Amari Cooper trade was great and it helped. But you know, let's see if you can go the extra mile. See if you give up, you know, a couple extra picks. See if you can really improve the roster because this team, like, I would be so sad if Dak Prescott retired without even making it to an NFC Championship game or a Super Bowl. Like, Dak Prescott has meant so much to the Cowboys organization. He's a class act. He's a great leader. You know, he gets a lot of criticism, but that's what happens when you're the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. It's the most scrutinized position in all of sports, arguably, is the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. I would hate to see him not win a Super Bowl in a Cowboys uniform, like totally honest. And it sucks that Ezekiel Elliott couldn't win one. He went to new England and I hope he does great, but you know, it's frustrating. And, but I still have optimism and I think, you know, the Cowboys can be pretty good this year, but yeah, it's taking that next step. Uh, there's other things in the NFL to be excited about other than the Cowboys though, as I kind of try to pivot here back to kind of a TCU kind of centric talk. Uh, TCU obviously, you know, had all those draft picks, and I am super excited to see uh, how a lot of these guys flesh out in their respective teams. We got a list here of everyone that is either on a 53-man roster. Today was cut day, or yesterday was uh, cut day. Uh, either on a 53-man roster or is on a practice squad, and it is a extensive list and a very exciting list. As a as a Horn Frog fan, it's cool to see a lot of purple invading the NFL. And it's just players from last year, too, that we have here. This doesn't even include, like, other guys. You know, Andy Dalton still, you know, but, yeah, last year's team. I'm taking Quentin Johnson first overall. That's all I got to say. Oh, man, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's. I mean, at least from a TCU standpoint, and for everyone here that's in Fort Worth, that's a TCU fan or just grew up around the Horned Frogs, right? I mean, I think it's really neat to see these guys going on pursuing these careers, right? I mean— Obviously, every player in the NFL comes from, you know, the the whoever that high school is that produced that talent is always going to be proud, or whoever that university is that produced that talent, those folks are going to be proud. But for us, now that we're students here at TCU, and the fact that we've seen all these guys play for two seasons and then go off and get drafted or sign um, as undrafted free agents and make the team or make the practice squad, it, it gives you... I mean, it it makes you proud. It does. I mean, you see these guys going off and doing bigger and better things, and I mean, you, you're you're just proud. I mean, in terms of this list, I mean, I I I guess I'll just read it off now. Um, Alan Ali, he made the Vikings practice squad. Steve uh, Avila, uh, making it to the Rams, so he's going to be down in LA with a bunch of his other former uh, TCU Horn Frogs. But those two guys were massive for TCU, especially this last season playing. If I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, every single snap this last season. 
Then you got Tay Barber going down to Florida to play with the Buccaneers. Darius Davis going to the Chargers. Amari DiMercato with the Cardinals. Really glad to see him make the team. I wasn't sure. I felt like he might have been a bubble player. Yeah. But glad to see Amari make make that full I mean, his roster. Fiesta Bowl performance. He's just going to go right back to that stadium. Yeah, exactly. No, and um, yeah, I mean— Di Mercado, he's always a hard runner. So, I mean, again, really happy to see him making that 53-man roster. Max Duggan, they get waived, but he signed with the practice squad for the Los Angeles Chargers. Dylan Horton now going to the Texans. Quentin Johnson to the Chargers. Kendra Miller to the Saints. I'm really excited about that. And then Travis Hodges, Tomlinson to the Rams. And D. Winters going to the Bay Area with the Niners. I mean, crazy. It's a really good time. And it's, again, something to be proud of as, as, as TCU fans. Uh, and TCU students, uh, you know, you can always point to like, hey, if you're watching a 49ers game, you can say, hey, I remember when he had that pick six in the Fiesta Bowl. I'm talking about D. Winters here. Or you can, you know, look at Dylan Horton, who is not a guy that, you know, if you were talking to the general college football fan, they might not know who Dylan Horton was. But Dylan Horton was really, really impactful on this TCU squad. And it's cool to like kind of know a backstory for a lot of these guys and, and just to know that and also, it's kind of fun to see these videos, especially with the Chargers posting on social media, like TCU and the C's dance for Chargers. It's like it's a, it's a lot of it's it's really really fun to like watch all these guys still kind of meshing together, even after they've you know put the TCU pads down and, and put on the NFL ones. It's it's cool to see that they're still kind of you know bleeding purple and white. Yeah, and another thing too is just one last quick point I wanted to make was it's not like when you go to a bigger school. And you see these players, it's kind of like if you go to Alabama or LSU, you know, you expect these players to make it. And it's to me, it's a lot cooler because TCU is a lot smaller and we walk past these guys. We have classes with these guys like it's not just another player. It's almost like it's you have some some of us have relationships with these players. So it's not just seeing one of our guys go to the NFL. It's like someone that we actually kind of know in a way, depending on, you know, your relationship with them. So that's another thing too. It's like, it's really cool because TCU is such a close tight knit community and you know, the small university makes that happen. And it's really cool to just see that all come together. Yeah. And, and, and again, kind of just touch on that, right? I mean, it's such a small community here, right? And, and everyone loves these players. And, and I think also, you know, and, and us three, I mean, we might be a little biased here and I think that's fair to say, but each of these guys are good guys too. Mm-hmm. And I mean, TCU, not only do they put out great products of players on field, on the field, but they also put out great men of respect and integrity. I mean, I mean, these guys show sportsmanship left and right. They, they, they work so, so incredibly hard um, in the off season and during the season. And I mean, again, and just to see how last season went for these guys, obviously didn't win the big 12 championship, couldn't do much in the national championship. For them to then now go on and pursuing these careers, I mean, you just can't root against them, especially if you're a TCU Horn Frog fan. Yeah, and Max Duggan, I think, is the perfect representation of that. Like someone, you'll never see him in the in a headline for the wrong reason. He's always saying the right thing. He's pretty down to earth guy. You know, I think you know we've seen him in press conferences. You know, people. You know, we've had conversations. We. We've had some conversations with him. He's just a really down-to-earth guy. So, yeah, I think TCU definitely, you know, puts athletes in really good positions and guys of integrity and respect. I'm really excited for this NFL season. There's just so much to look forward to. TCU, Cowboys, 
fantasy football, all the all the different types of things. Uh, football in general is just nice to you know have that back, especially here in Texas. Uh, I don't know if you all have had the opportunity. I would love to welcome you to the high school football community as well here in DFW. It's crazy. It, it's great. Uh, just strap on my back and we'll go watch you know some random Alito. Yeah. yeah, let's Alito. check out Alito. Alito. I'm so let's, down. You know, my dad played high school football in Texas. He was a quarterback. Oh, so yeah, like he was he was good and like. You know, he tells me about these, like, so many people coming to these games, thousands, thousands of people, and you don't really, like, uh, like, well, you do believe it, but you don't really believe it until you actually see these stadiums, and it's incredible to see the atmosphere. I, I definitely, we definitely got to go to one. Pull up to the Wiley East Grand Prairie game tomorrow if you're listening live. If you're listening on the podcast version, it is tonight. Pull up, 8 o'clock, go for Warrior Bowl. I'll be up in the press box. Uh, wave high. Okay. All right, folks. Well, that brings us pretty much to the end of our first episode of the Riff Ram Review here on 88.7 KTCU, The Choice. It's been wonderful. I've really enjoyed this, gentlemen. This is our first episode of many more. And again, this has been in the works for a while, and we're we're so excited to bring it to you all. And to everyone that's listened, whether you've listened for the full two hours or for five minutes or for one minute or tune in and you said, who's that crazy guy? singing that song from Jack Harlow. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Thank you. No, seriously, seriously. I mean, thank you to everyone listening. And to those that are still listening, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok at Riff Ram Review and tune in on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. This will be uploaded. Each of these episodes will be uploaded to podcast platforms. And so follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Riff Ram Review. We're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, just to reiterate that. And we will be live every Wednesday from 6 to 8 p.m., here from the KT stu- uh, from here, excuse me, from the KTCU studios. Um, but yeah, and six six to eight p.m. Central Time. Six to eight p.m. Central Time. So really looking forward to next Wednesday. Um, so yeah, check back in with us next week, and we'll have a great episode for you guys as well. You're listening to Riff Ram Review here on eighty-eight point seven KTCU, the choice, your choice for college radio. 